Hello, and welcome to a very special mini episode of the Sydney Skinny podcast. Uh, what you are about to hear is our discussion of the incredible new film After Sun from the Edinburgh director Charlotte Wells. Now, this first went out as part of our Edinburgh Film Festival episode, but if you missed it first time round or have heard a lot of buzz about this After Sun film and want to learn a bit more about it, this is, we think, a pretty good place to start, so that's why we're putting it back out as its own little bit on the feed. Um, also, Jamie interviewed Charlotte for the November issue of The Skinny to talk all about the film, so I'll pop a link to that in the notes for this episode. Uh, so it's like 15 minutes going to a bit of stuff about the background of the film and the kind of themes, etc. So I hope it's useful to all of you. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, do subscribe if you like what you hear. I'll leave you in the more than capable hands of the past, as represented by Lewis Robertson, Anahit Berrios, uh, Chamlin Tam, and the next voice you're going to hear, Jamie Dunn. Thanks, bye. Yeah, so the first film we're going to talk about, as Peter said, it's After Sun. Uh, it's the beautiful debut film from Charlotte Wells, who's uh, a very promising Scottish director. It's uh, set towards the end of the 90s. It follows 30-year-old Callum, who's played by the very, very sexy Paul Mascal. <laughs> More on that later, I'm sure. Um, uh, and it also stars this amazing newcomer, um, uh, Frankie Corio, who uh, plays 11-year-old Sophie. Their father and daughter, who are on a package holiday in a kind of low-rent resort in Turkey. Now, the holiday itself is short of instant, but, you know, so they're just, like, having lazy days by the pool. But inside, however, Callum and Sophia are going through the most kind of life-altering emotions. Um, After Sun was the opening film of Edinburgh Film Festival, so I thought it was a great place to start the podcast. And I uh, might turn to... We haven't actually prepared this, but, Shalyn, <laughs> maybe you want to start as the guest. Maybe you want to let us know what your thoughts so I think my primary thoughts are everyone's primary thoughts here and just throwing out a common thread here. Paul Mescal is incredibly sexy in this movie. So sexy. And this is actually his only his second film, I think. And his first film, which is um, in The Lost Daughter, like they keep on putting him in these like booty shorts on the beach. <laughs> and if that's kind of the typecast that they're going to go for with him, I fully support this. Um, so yeah, I, I've heard a lot. I heard a lot about this film, as I'm sure everyone else had and it came out of Cannes with like so much love and hype behind it I was really excited to see it um I was actually surprised at my own reaction to the film because hearing people talk about it I thought it was going to be this immensely kind of emotionally cathartic watch whereas for me I felt that it was incredibly withdrawn and subdued that doesn't mean it wasn't emotional but in a completely different vein I think um and to me it managed to really capture that feeling of being unable to seek catharsis, even through filmmaking, which we can, you know, always identify as one sort of art form to pursue, you know, self-expression, um, a pursuit of a certain truth, of re-narrativizing your life as well. But it kind of pointed to that in a similar way, I think, to like the souvenir, um, that no matter how much of yourself you can put into a film, like you can still be left feeling like unfinished, incomplete. And I think that feeling is something that's incredibly difficult to capture on screen. And I found that really, really striking, just like the lack of catharsis, I think. Yeah, yeah I think that lack of catharsis is so like well put and so interesting because it feels such a like fragmentary film. Like it feels like it's constantly like moving towards something and reaching for something. And that something never quite manifests or it kind of does and then it doesn't. And you're just left with like such a 
like feeling of sadness. Like I remember the film, like the credits went up and you could just hear the whole cinema go like, <gasps> like they were like sobbing, it was wild. And like the whole skinny team met and we were just like staring at each other that we had to go and party with Paul Mescal. And it was just like weird, <laughs> it was really hard. Um, he is so sexy, but he's like sexy in a very sad way, which is potentially sexier, unfortunately. Um, but it is, yeah, it's such a like oblique film. Like it's kind of shot in this like very film, like on, is it 16 millimeter that it's shot on? And so it's like very grainy. Um, and it's just very like, yeah, oblique that things will be like happening, but then audio from something else will be playing over or a memory will be happening and it happens twice. And it's like in a different way. And just the sense of like, you're trying to capture something or you're trying to remember something and you can't. And that's just devastating. I know, I was so sad. <laughs> Yeah, the atmosphere of the film is almost exactly what it's like to look back on your sort of naff childhood holidays. And, um, you know, we're pretty much just sort of trapped there with those characters. Like, I can't stress enough how few sets there are for a film this length. Um, the, like, days blur into one another, and there's some really particular techniques to kind of carry you between scenes. Like, uh, the one I always think of is the... Um, the buzz of the video camera that plays in one scene and carries over to the next. Like, that's a very material example of scratching that nostalgia itch. But more generally, it's just that, like, um, sort of strange short scenes that we don't grasp the meaning of that appear only for a little while. They're quite dreamlike and, and sometimes a little bit nightmarish. And then we're just right into another scene. And so many scenes start with them just sitting by the pool, staring at the sky. Like it really feels like there's absolutely nothing to do on this holiday, which is kind of what the package resorts are like. Well, that's the thing. It's a film where nothing really happens, but everything's happening at the same time. You've got two people who are going through this intense experience, but different experiences. So you have a young woman who's figuring out her sexuality for the first time. She's getting interested in boys and girls and she's seeing the older teens at the pool having a lot of fun and she's kind of curious, but also a bit apart from it, she's not old enough to join in. And then you have the father who's also going through his kind of inner turmoil. Um, and, and what I love about the film and what I think makes it a kind of really masterful piece of work is like none of this is spelled out in the dialogue. It's a film where everything is expressed visually, you know, or through the performance. So at no point does Callum, who's, who's Paul Maskell's character, does he ever say, I'm depressed, I'm feeling, I'm feeling down. And I think in a lesser film, or a less sophisticated film, you do have had a scene where he confesses to someone uh, by the pool that, oh, I'm not feeling great. But this film is just so confident in just doing it all visually, or, or just doing it all through performance, which I, I was really impressed with. You know, and he's, he's a character who's trying to express this feeling of inner calm, you know? So all, I don't know who's all seen the film, but, um, you know, he's a character who, he does Tai Chi in the morning, you know? He, he <laughs> reads books on meditation. He's that kind of lad, you know, who, who, who projects this kind of inner calm. But then he does these strange things. He'll walk out in front of a bus without looking, or he'll go scuba diving without having the right um, certificate. You know, he does these very reckless things, and you'd never quite know what's up with him until the end of the film. And I just love that as a film that, it just set, it's seen so much without seeing anything. Um, I remember you coming back from that festival in the Czech Republic, was it? And you compared it to The Lost Daughter. Like, which one do you like more? Well, it's, it's actually, I said someone else had compared to The Lost Daughter, and I think, for me, this is a much stronger film. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think we should also... The thing is, it's a very naturalistic film, but it's just filled with these little oblique 
unusual moments as well. It's incredibly experimental um, yeah. in a way, and it, it surprises you because initially, for the first half hour watching it, the first time I watched it, I wasn't exactly sure what the fuss was about, to be honest, because it, it, it came out of Cannes with such buzz. And I'm thinking, well, this is like a, a very nice film about a father and daughter. It's very beautifully shot, very atmospheric, but it, it's not kind of giving me the magic that I heard. And then towards the end, these sort of... And she, she does such interesting things with time, where uh, time sort of collapses. Uh, she does this interesting thing with memory, where we realise at some point that this, um, the camera shots, the, the camcorder from the film, from the holiday that creep in, we realise that this is a woman looking back on her holiday. So it's, it's all a kind of memory piece. Um, and that sort of only creeps up on you. And, and I think once you realise what's happening, you, you're kind of in there already and you're, you're loving it. It's a film with like no plot, really, just in the sense that, um, again, it, it's these two characters carrying these two performers carrying the entire atmosphere. And, and you know, like you said, uh, Shanlin, like Paul Mescal is very subdued, right? He's, he's very a bit repressed. He's a bit sort of wooden and quiet in that way that dads usually are. But he contrasts so much with uh, his daughter, Sophie. So while he's like reading books on Tai Chi and meditating every morning and stuff like that. She's seeking out thrills. She wants to like go parasailing. She plays this like motorbike video game at the arcade. And um, it's a really interesting way to characterize uh, uh, like maturity and youth where he's trying to like discipline his mind. He's trying to live maturity the best way he possibly can. And she's just looking to like grow and do stuff. So they feel like such different characters. Um, but they still somehow feel related. They still feel like they're on the same wavelength. They sort of laugh cheekily at the same jokes. And, and that's why I think that while it's a bleak film, it's not necessarily like just a completely sorrowful film because as hard as it is and as much as you see that the relationship has flaws, like you, you never doubt that they do love each other. Mm. And I think also, I think because everyone fancies him, like a lot of the conversation has been on Paul Mascal. Um, but Francesca Francesca Cari is also so fucking. Can I swear? Yes. So <laughs> fucking good. <laughs> like she's so excellent, and I actually think it's been such a good year for child performers who are usually the most annoying people on camera. Um, but not this year, baby. They're actually really good. So she's like so great, like really, really naturalistic, just very like intrepid and she just wants to like live life and you just see it all like flit across her face because it's not a dialogue heavy film and I think the two of them together and when they when the director came to like introduce the film and then Paul Mescal and Francesca were also on stage um, and they didn't say anything but he just like had his arm around her and it was really cute that's not about the film it was just like really nice did you notice they're also wearing the same shirt yeah nice. was, that was so cute so charming <laughs> yeah it's just a beautiful film before we gab on is there anything else you want to include um, I, I was just gonna like say that I think, uh, but going back to that whole idea that I think the film has really managed to capture a very difficult emotion. And when we talk about films about parents and children, you know, we think like, you know, oh, you got your like yeah, Ladybird, you got Lost Daughter. Like you have like this whole canon of films about extremely fraught relationships between parents and children. And I think that's hard to do as well. But something that After Sun does is probably even harder, where the relationship isn't necessarily fraught. But it's that kind of chasm of time that you're looking at about that recognition that you don't actually know this person who you've spent so much of your life with and that you can spend all of your time with them, kind of sitting with them by the pool, hearing everything that they have to say. And you can look back on that in like 20 years and still realize that those memories themselves can be refracted through a completely different prism of understanding. And for me, it, 
I, I, I think it really captured the feeling I get when I look at my parents kind of like old photo albums of their honeymoons and I was like, oh shit, like I've stolen their youth from them. Like it just yeah. made I, I, me feel so guilty. I was like, you looked so happy before you were tied down with like all of this stuff. I think it really will make anyone out there like reflect on their upbringing and take them back to being a child. Even if you didn't go on like a Thomas Cook all-inclusive holiday in the Mediterranean in 2004, like I did. <laughs> Yeah, it's also a film that I've found men have uh, really got emotional about. Like, you know, I, I cry at everything, so I was I was not surprised that I cried at this film. I cry at uh, Forrest Gump and like absolute sentimental quad, uh, quads wallop. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, people who are kind of I kind of think of as kind of like proper proper guys, proper lads, were crying at this movie, and it's like I think that shows you something about this film. It's it's talking about things that aren't often talked about, and Charlotte Wells has done such a good job in sort of talking about that idea of male depression but the, like male um male inarticulately say that's, mm. that's ironic i can't say that word <laughs> um, uh, you know you know like, like you know men cannot talk about their emotions and this is a man who's who's fits that category perfectly especially scottish men i think is it's, it's a thing as well and it's also i think very telling that this is a film uh, an after party where tons of people were talking about it usually at after parties people just want to get drunk and have a party but everyone i spoke to was desperate to talk about this film because it's just full of such little mysteries that people wanted to unpick so yeah i, I feel like uh, yeah it's a real kind of success story and, and like in, regarding that like male inarticulation by the end i was just like gripping my seat being like please talk to each other like it like gave me goosebumps they're like little interactions even if they didn't say much because they were so packed with meaning it's a really good film it's just a very good film <laughs> is there anything else to say it just rocks it's so good yeah it's awesome any other comments <laughs> shanlin final word no, actually, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Paul Mescal is hot. What, yeah, what else do you need to Paul yeah. Mescal is super hot in this film. Like Go and see so it. so hot, yes. Jesus. All right. <laughs> so, After Sun is... So, After Sun had its premiere at Edinburgh. It's out in UK cinemas on the 18th of November. So, set your hot guy alarms now. Uh, and thank you so much to Chun Lin for coming on. Woo! Great. <laughs>